Welcome, everyone. This is Joy Silver on Radio 111's Outspoken. And Outspoken is presented by Harcourt's Desert Homes. Scott Palermo and James Sanic will be here in a few minutes to share more about on how they can help you with your real estate sales and purchasing needs in the Coachella Valley. We're thrilled to have them on board. You'll find them at harcourtdeserthomes.com. And here on the Outspoken Show, where we are ready to stand up and fight back, today's subject will be another Texas massacre. And let me say, I have a voice and I'm going to use it because your guest today is me. I'm going to use it to talk about the Texas massacre and a number of other things, including what we can do to construct our own narrative. But... Let's start at what happened in Budapest, Hungary. Hungary is, and we're going right into this, folks. Hungary is led by its prime minister, Viktor Orban. And he is a longtime supporter of Russian President Vladimir Putin. Uh, That is probably no surprise to anyone. Orban, according to Reuters, depicts himself as a Christian defender of European heritage. He uses anti-immigration policies to repel Muslim migrants and rejects liberal European positions on social issues, such as adoption by gay couples. Orban's opening statement at the conference called for a worldwide conservative takeover to take back the institutions in Washington and Brussels and to coordinate the movement of our troops. He also advised conservatives, have your own media. Now, here's the thing. This was CPAC. Yes, CPAC. And how is it that people who use America First as a rallying call end up holding the American Conservative Political Action Conference, that is who CPAC is, in Budapest? And this is for the first time. For sure, nothing says America First like holding your conference in Budapest. The conference website refers to Hungary as one of the engines of conservative resistance to the woke revolution, which aims to face down the onslaught of the left. And we can point to many instances of political payback and retribution that both the former U.S. president, you know who, and Prime Minister Orban use as tactics to consolidate power. And for sure, the sub- this particular subject could be a whole show within itself. But there can be no question, no question, that the American extremists are seeking to organize and brand itself on this international level. Conferences to further these objectives, destroying democracy and establishing totalitarian leadership, more of these kinds of conferences, are scheduled for later this year in Brazil, in Israel, in Japan, and Mexico. Now, I am sure that it is no surprise to anyone that the American proponent of this vision is the same and none other than Fox News host Tucker Carlson, who was featured along at the conference as a guest speaker with Candace Owens and Ben Ferguson, as well as members of right-wing European parties such as Marie Le Pen's National Rally in France and the Spanish Vox Party. Carlson, noted for relentlessly harping on the contentious replacement theory, which, by the way, is a plot that he 
purports to replace the political power and the culture of white people living in Western countries and instigated and controlled by none other than the Jews is echoed by Orban in this same way. And let us not forget an appearance by video of Mark Meadows, the chief of staff for you-know-who. In fact, President you-know-who had no qualms about sharing the stage with Zolt Bayer, a Hungarian racist who has called Jews stinking excrement, referred to the Roma as animals, and used racial epithets to describe black people. Now, let's think about this. Why any Jewish person or black person would be a supporter of you-know-who president is beyond me, but there were Jews, by the way, who supported Hitler because they thought he didn't mean them because, well, they had money and power or they had served Germany in World War I. They thought that somehow they were different and that Hitler meant only the sect of Jews that were ultra-Orthodox or Hasidim. Uh, bear in mind the goal for both Orban and his American admirers is the suppression of wokeness, a pejorative term for a broad range of progressive ideas about race and gender and sexuality. Now, this includes for some, and this is where I think we're going to draw the line and parallel, this includes for some the mere existence of LGBT people on an equal basis. Why do I repeat this? Let's look at a bit of history, and this might shock some of you if you don't know this already. In 2010, CPAC was co-sponsored by Go Proud, a gay conservative group. And Go Proud is credited in the media for Initiating, talk, initiating talks with the ACU, the American Conservative Union, to invite former president you-know-who to speak at the CPAC convention in 2011. And this speech that he gave is credited for helping kickstart his political career within the Republican Party. Again, Go Proud was a gay conservative group that lit the fire under former president you-know-who's political career in the Republican Party. Now, Christopher Barron, the co-founder of Go Proud, and he founded Go Proud because he thought the log cabin Republicans were too centrist. And Barron would later not only endorse former president you-know-who, 2016 presidential campaign, but also launch LGBT for him and said he would love to see Mr. You-Know-Who run for president at that time. Now, by the way, let me just say that Mr. Barron is married to his husband, Sean Gardner, and thinks same-gender marriage should be a states' rights issue. Let that sink in. He is married to his husband, and he is okay with his marriage being okay in California, but maybe not okay in Texas. Does this make sense to anyone? Does it make sense to anyone that some Jews supported Hitler? You see where I'm going with this. And for the record, Mr. Barron and friends 
in 2017, less than two hours after Mr. You-Know-Who and his virulently anti-LGBTQ and activist vice president Mike Pence were sworn into office, all mention, all mentions of LGBTQ issues were removed from the official White House webpage. I hope you're happy, Mr. Barron. But let's go back to Orban's opening statement at CPAC. He called for a worldwide conservative takeover, a takeover, and for democracy deniers to take back the institutions in Washington, D.C., and Brussels, and to coordinate the movement of the takeover's troops. Is it any wonder that massacres in the U.S. are supported by democracy deniers? Let's start with the deadly mass shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. The murderer was able to buy an AR-15 and 1,657 rounds of ammunition just after he turned 18. Afterwards, the level of destruction this weapon inflicted left the victim's parents needing to use DNA tests to identify their children. Law enforcement, by the way, stood by doing nothing. The supposed trained good guys with guns, while courageous children trapped a murderer, trapped by a murderer, made desperate 9-11 calls for help with their dead teacher's phone. I have to stop there and take a breath because every time I think about that, I've got tears. That's what Ted Cruz says the answer to gun violence and mass murder is. He said, what stops armed bad guys is armed good guys. This is historical. And did we not see this same thing on January 6th, where they didn't, there was no order to call in the National Guard to stop that insurrection of January 6th? This is a historical situation where the armed good guys with guns are not given that order to move in. This is not undeliberate. And then, were treated to media images repeatedly and consistently of men in military-style or cowboy-influenced uniforms armed to the teeth who are supposed to be the image of courage and bravery. Well, as one of our frequent guests on this show, Walter Rhine, points out in his latest Medium piece, and I quote, Immediately after a mass murder where American children are slaughtered, Conservatives tried to politicize the tragedy and use it as an opportunity to show how tough they are. We get all these images of men in body armor with weapons at their hips stomping around after the fact. That's what the general public has to watch on a 24-7 news cycle. We never get to see true courage of the children making 9-11 calls. And Walter goes on to say, we never get to see the images of brave, liberal, and I say this, who goes into teaching, liberal teachers wearing summer dresses, gathering up students they love as their own, and desperately trying to fend off death with their own flesh. We never see that. The teacher who died 
Miss Garcia, a married mother of four who taught at Robb Elementary for 23 years, was a sweet, kind, loving teacher who considered her students to be her family, her relatives said. She passed away with children in her arms, trying to protect them. Her nephew, John Martinez, wrote on Twitter, those weren't just her students, they were her kids as well. That courage, that bravery, the liberal courage, we never get to see that on the news cycle, the true images of bravery. Another frequent guest of this program, Jessica Pishko of Posse Comitatus, wrote something called, These Colors Don't Run Fast Enough. She perfectly outlines the link between this love of totalitarian leaders like Orban and the others you-know-who loves so much, the idea that Orban put at CPAC the we, meaning the democracy deniers, he told CPAC that we must coordinate our troops. Pishko says... The calls have already come in to increase police presence in school and fortify school buildings so they become fortresses. Influenced by America's history of wars abroad, right-wing politicians, Christian nationalists, and gun influencers argue that bringing counter-terrorism military methods to the people will bring a measure of safety. But who are these people protecting and who are they fighting? Well, we'll continue this conversation, but first, we want to share with you about our program sponsor, Harcourt's Desert Homes. Hello, I'm Scott Palermo. And I'm James Sanak. We'd like to take a moment to share with you our unique and successful approach to working with Coachella Valley home buyers, sellers, and real estate investors. Our goal is to build a people-first brokerage, and a significant part of that is making certain that our customers can always count on working with quality, like-minded agents. At Harcourt's Desert Homes, James, myself, and our extraordinary team of dedicated real estate professionals are privileged to work with the best clients through our commitment to personal service and attention to a client's every detail. That commitment is how we have achieved the honor of being ranked at the top 1% of realtors in the desert cities. We have been named to the best of the best realtors in the Coachella Valley by Palm Springs Life Magazine. Scott mentioned the word unique a moment ago, but it's not just a marketing buzzword for Harcourt's Desert Homes. In fact, it's our superpower for helping clients worldwide. Harcourt's International is one of the half dozen most successful real estate companies around the globe with more than 34 billion dollars in annual revenue and it's the unique selling proposition that led us to affiliate our brokerage with harcourts here in the coachella valley that's right james harcourts auctions this platform separates our brand from the rest of the pack Think of this as a marketing tool similar to Christie's Art Auction in New York City. Just as with other luxury items and fine art, Harcourt's Auction sells luxury real estate to high net worth consumers. For more than six years, our brokerage has won more than 100 sales production awards. We'd love to put that achievement to work for you. We specialize in properties in Palm Springs, Rancho Mirage, Palm Desert, Indian Wells, and La Quinta. If we can help you, please reach out to us at 760-864-4100. Again, that's 760-864-4100. 
864-4100. Or visit Harcourt's Desert Homes online at harcourtsdeserthomes.com. That's H-A-R-C-O-U-R-T-S deserthomes.com. Harcourt's Desert Homes. We're located at 119 North Indian Canyon Drive in downtown Palm Springs. Remember, in real estate, knowledge is power. Another Texas massacre. This is Joy Silver, and this show is Outspoken right here on Radio 111. We were talking about who are the people protecting and who are they fighting, these counter-terrorist military method users. The answer is depressingly obvious. In the wake of the Buffalo shooting, where an admitted white supremacist went into a grocery store on a weekend afternoon with the intent to kill as many black people as possible, the response from law enforcement was crickets. The Erie County Sheriff, which includes Buffalo, made a requisite comment about evil. But there was no real response from the police, no calls to fortify black neighborhoods, no pictures of officers shaking hands with black residents. That's because law enforcement knows their purpose, to defend the racial hierarchy. Sheriffs are happy to see their own neighborhoods as battlegrounds. Their tactics are of counterinsurgency. The gun industry, the gun lobby, politicians, and the social influencer class all know that firearms are to protect people from the coming race war. So they will double and triple down on guns and more guns because it serves their purpose, cements their popularity, and maintains the social order that creates so much violence. More analysis of how to better police response just plays into the hands of those who want more violence. Meanwhile, the right is arguing for the closure of, ready for this, public schools. It's a bit ironic, given how the same coalition is not willing to pay teachers a living wage, ensure children have homes, or support COVID mitigation measures. But of course, this has been part of their plan all along a desire to return to segregated communities and white Christian nationalism. And in a way, it's the logical endpoint of their war on the rest of us. Hoard resources, bunker up, and send soldiers to protect the order that they always have wanted. And yet, numerous news sources reported that former President You-Know-Who and Republican Senator Ted Cruz on Friday doubled down on a pro-gun response to gun violence as they addressed the National Rifles Association Conference in Houston three days after the mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas. The Washington Post reported that the GOP speakers at the NRA conference held at George Brown Convention Center in Houston shifted blame for the latest tragedy from the availability of high-powered weapons to an array of other culprits, such as declining church attendance, physical and social media bullying, weak families, violent video games, opioid abuse, lack of mental health services, multiple points of entry at schools, and unlocked doors. The speakers also pivoted from condemning the evil of Uvalde school shooters to vilifying elites, the media, Democrats, and communist Marxists, eliciting cheers from the small but vocal crowd. Now, this is interesting. The NRA conference, the attendance was not high. 
and many scheduled speakers actually opted not to attend. And a video of you-know-who's speech in the main auditorium shows that there wasn't a lot of attendance there. And by the way, he didn't have a lot of attendance as his inauguration in 2017. And I can tell you that because I was in Washington, D.C. the day and I saw the supposed crowd. There wasn't one. The main auditorium in Houston's convention center holds about 3,600 people, and it showed as half full as he took the stage late Friday afternoon. And this speech showed that you-know-who was reading of the Uvalde's victims' names and mispronouncing many of them, followed by a bell sound after each name, and then the weirdest, not-so-weird thing of all. Just when you think you've seen it all, He follows his speech by doing a jig movement, a dance movement right after he finished, almost as if to dance on the graves of the dead. Meanwhile, hundreds of protesters were outside the conference center and they were joined there by gubernatorial candidate Beto O'Rourke, who confronted Texas Governor Abbott at a press conference in the Uvalde School Auditorium the day after the massacre. So... Let's review some facts and statistics. 100 is the number of people killed by guns in the U.S. every day. 12 is the number of children who die every day from gun violence. 950 school shootings since Sandy Hook, including 27 school shootings so far this year. 18 to 21 is the number for the peak ages of violent offending with firearms. 8 million are the number of AR-15s and its variations in circulation. Nine in 10, the number of people who will die after attempting suicide with a gun. 98 is the percentage of mass shooters who are men. 89 is the percentage of gun owners who favor preventing the mentally ill from purchasing guns. 77 is the percentage of gun owners who favor background checks at private sales and gun shows. 54% of gun deaths are suicides and 43% are murders. 79% of murders is the number that involved a firearm. And then one are the percentage of the number of people, 1% who defended themselves with their gun in a violent crime, 1%. And finally, 88% of Americans support some kind of gun control laws. And there are more of us than there are of them. So what can we do? Caitlin Bird, she writes a piece for the publication Dame. And May 27th, she wrote something that's called The Left Needs Its Own Megaphone. And from the massacre in Buffalo, New York, to the horrors of school massacre in Uvalde, Texas, we cannot escape the damage an idea can do. That it is the clear and undeniable lesson from the former tragedy in upstate New York where a white supremacist gunman targeted and killed black people due to his deeply wrong and perverse belief that ethnic minorities are part of a Jewish plot to replace white people. 13 people were shot, 10 died, hundreds are experiencing the despair of sudden loss, and millions are now in mourning and reckoning with the very real and present threat to their own lives, all because of an incessant noise machine designed to serve the needs of the radical right. Surely and steadily, this media apparatus has warped us. 
we're trapped in policy arguments and social discussions that revolve around conservative concerns, regardless of the actual belief of the proponents or the effect of the decisions. And that is how, after every mass shooting or prominent gun tragedy, we find an almost 90% consensus on gun control. And yet, it is not enough to move a single Republican vote or inspire the tiniest morsel of shame. Everything from the language we use to frame and lens we use to look at the restrictions, we are the product of right-wing efforts to define the boundaries of acceptable discourse and craft an environment where every response feeds into a lose-lose situation for their opponents. So, it is too late to appeal to decency and the shame of hypocrisy or the cold truth of clear and unambiguous logic. The Republican Party has demonstrated there is no bottom to their behavior, that they won't give us the satisfaction of shame, that reason and logic and facts are easily voided by conspiracy and ideology. There is no magic sequence of words which will reconstitute shared reality and certainly no bipartisan consensus. And as Caitlin's grandmother used to say, you can't reason someone out of a position they never reasoned themselves into. And this is Caitlin's prescription. It is time for the left to do what the right has done for decades, construct a media ecosystem to engage the most visceral emotions of their base, amplify them, and channel that energy into action. Democrats and the broader American left should stop trying and make an emotional pitch instead. Abandon the Republican framing, bipartisan unity, a notion of fairness that gives equal heft to lies and facts. It is time for the left to do what the right has done for decades, construct a media ecosystem to engage the most visceral emotions of their base, amplify them, and channel that energy into action. At the beginning of the Trump era, the Washington Post proclaimed that democracy dies in darkness. But right now, everything the Republicans are doing is happening in broad daylight. They are unassailable because they have made themselves impervious to narrative, to reason, to reality itself. And so our survival as a people, the future of representative government, rests on finding a way to break through the conservative media machine. Democracy doesn't die in darkness, it dies in silence. Our only way out is to find and fund the words that make the noise stop. Well, thank you, Caitlin Byrd. And thank you for listening today. My last comment is that I am tired of hearing how people are depressed, are feeling hopeless, and are planning to leave this country. It is an insult to hear people talk like this. Ask the black people or the indigenous or the Asians or the agricultural workers or the Jews. And I can tell you today, no one's sending me into the oven. It's not that bad. So be courageous. Like the teachers, like the children. There are more of us than there are of them. This has been Joy Silver on Radio 111's Outspoken. Make a decision here and now to stand up, fight back, never give up, and thank you for listening today.